everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Where Does Your Journey Stem From? hosted by myself, Dr. Karina Minardi. Today we have a truly special guest who works for a large organization called Becton Dickinson. Please welcome to the stage, Pratik. Pratik, how's it going? Hi, yeah, it's going good. Well, we are happy to have you on today's episode. Pratik is an associate in the software development program at Becton Dickinson, also known as BD. His current work focuses on implementing systems to secure the cloud technology powering BD's current and future products deployed in hospitals. Pratik is a graduate of Georgia Institute of Technology with a Bachelor's of Science in Biomedical Engineering with a computer science minor. His primary focus is on the intersection between health and technology also known as health tech. Outside of work, he finds solace in hiking, indulges in police procedurals, and listens to air traffic control, ATC, communications during aviation emergencies, because that is cool. <laughs> um, well, welcome again, Pratik. We're really excited to have you. Um, so our first question that we always start off with for most of, if not all of our guests is, tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your background and how you landed in the position that you're at. Yeah, so a little bit about me. I uh, grew up in Southern California, so got to enjoy the great weather. So I've been here since 2007 and started in high school, and I was fortunate enough to be in a pretty, um, you know, STEM-focused education system throughout. So that was kind of my, like, first introduction. Um, interestingly enough, I got to work on uh, CubeSats, which are, like, small mini satellites in high school, which is uh, pretty dang lucky, right, as a high schooler to be playing with some cool stuff. We got to meet a real life astronaut and he was like kind of our leader. Um, so that, that was my first kind of inner, like, you know, first time really playing with this, this kind of stuff. And you can imagine, right, us in high school, not knowing anything, playing with tens of thousands of dollars worth of like small little satellites. We were uh, quite scared <laughs> to put it, uh, put it mildly, but it was uh, very interesting. We got to uh, learn a lot. Um, and I think that's really where the interest started for me. I think I enjoyed solving problems and challenges and, uh, that really kind of was what kind of drew me in, even though it was, it was pretty intense. Um, started there, and I knew I really wanted to do something healthcare related. I think that when you look back on it, uh, you know, traditionally my, my family and just background wise were pretty work oriented. And so looking back, I think for me, it was important to have my work mean something. And for that healthcare, I think the impact is just at a different scale. So I think the, the merge of the two was kind of where it was always at. Um, so I ended up going to Georgia Tech for biomedical engineering, which at that point is still a kind of a relatively young field. I mean, it's been around for, I'd say 10 to, you know, maybe 20 to 30 years, but really still young. People are really still defining and pushing the boundaries there. Right. And it's very, very new. Um, so yeah, I landed at Tech, Georgia Tech, which if you can imagine, you know, a SoCal person just in Atlanta downtown is, uh, quite the shift as you, uh, yeah, as you'd expect. So when we first got there, actually we couldn't understand the dialect because the way that people speak in Atlanta is quite different to Southern California. So uh, yeah, my dad and I, when we were doing our visit, we were, uh, we were a little <laughs> stumbling around, but it was fun and um, had a great time there. Uh, you know, just worked on a bunch of different cool things. Slowly went from maybe more on the mechanical engineering side of biomedical to more on the, on the software side of things. And that transition kind of took some time. I, I didn't make it as easy as I could have just, uh, just because I'm stubborn at times, but uh, it eventually happened and uh, met some really cool people, worked on a lot of cool things, and then COVID hit, 
So I actually only spent two and a half years in Atlanta or two years in Atlanta. So most of my time was, you know, mixed between there and back home. Um, yeah. And, and so when I graduated, I kind of had this fork in the road, right, of, hey, I can stay more mechanical with biomedical or I can do software with biomedical. And I think that was the decision point. I chose software with biomedical just because that's where I was interested in. And at that point, BD actually was one of the few, if only the first, only the first rotational program from a software perspective in, in medical devices. And so fairly pushing the, the boundaries, right? And setting kind of their goals and putting the money where their mouth's at, right? Where their goals are at. So, so yeah, it was, it was a no brainer choice for me there. And, uh, and since then I've been, I'm on my second rotation now. So I finished one year rotation and I'm on my second and uh, learning a lot of cool things, working with a lot of cool people. So, yeah. No, thank you for that. Um, there's, there's a lot of, of things I think that I want to delve in. Um, absolutely to that. Um, so you, in your bio, you said you like to listen to ATC. Um, you mentioned that you did work with an astronaut. So talk to us a little bit about that sort of infatuation with the air and space. Yeah, it's, I think it's just because of the, the they got me, got me young, right? In, in high school. So it's been very interesting to me. It's always the unknown, the challenges are, and there's a lot of parallels between healthcare and space, right? Healthcare and space, highly regulated, very controlled, catastrophic, you know, impacts potentially, right? And so a lot of similarities there. I think it's really cool. Um, and the ATC thing happened because I really enjoy the logistical way that they handle scenarios. When a failure happens, it's very controlled. There's a lot of set procedures. When some major incident happens, right? There's a it's very open. Everyone tries to learn from the mistake. And I think there's a lot we can do there in terms of healthcare to kind of adopt a lot of those principles. And I think that's it's it's very interesting. And I'm very kind of passionate about how can we you know apply different things that are working in that industry to other industries, right? And there's a lot of learnings there. And I've gotten to work a lot with some NASA stuff and, and some more stuff on that side. So I get to I get to do play a little bit with that stuff whenever I can. That's really, really cool. And I, and I love your um, thinking around the applicability of what is, what is applicable across industries. Um, because I like that because that's exactly what sort of my mission with STEM from is, is to think about the skills and the training that a STEM um, background uh, um, provides for you. And then how do you actually apply that to different industries? And I could think of air, I could think of, you know, space, I could think of health. Um, you know, the, the sense of curiosity and so on and so forth. So um, I, I appreciate that. Um, can you talk a little bit more, switching gears into a specific industry, um, when you talk about the meaning of healthcare, that's exactly why I went into healthcare. It's exactly why I went to, into health tech. Um, so can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of who you are, what your profession is, what stage in life you're at, you're going to interface with the healthcare system at some point, right? That is the one thing that every single human is pretty much going to touch. Um, and there's been a lot of really cool advancements, right? I think when I learn about the human body, when I learn about these creations and the technologies, it's just so interesting and so um, empowering. But also, as you learn more and more, you get slightly degraded more and more, right? And that's just the way it is with the, with the state of things, with healthcare, with, you know, whether that be on the clinician side, whether that be the healthcare systems, whether that be on the, on the medical device sides, right? So I think it's, it's, the, it's one of the greatest challenges, right? Is like, how do you move this giant machine in the right way incrementally over time to slowly get better and better and better and better? And that's what everyone's been doing. And so, um, 
sometimes you get a little lost in the, in the big machine that it is, but sometimes I have to take a step back and kind of look at it from a larger scale of things. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's a very cool challenge and one that I can look back on when I'm, you know, 90, if I make it that long and look back and say, okay, that, we made some progress here as small as it may have been. Um, yeah, for me also, there's there's a unique quality around health in that it's such a personal decision um, for each individual, not only person, but also their family, um, how they want to approach health, how they want to approach health from a whole person perspective or just each individual diagnosis, um, the, the relationship that you have with your doctor. I mean, it is beyond just the science of, of health. It is, there is an ethos to it. Um, so I, I can definitely appreciate that as well. And I guess that's really interesting because um, now I'm finally putting it together. Health, if you wanted to make an impact on health, but you also wanted to have a tech sort of background, biomedical is sort of that perfect wedding of, of or amalgamation of both of those. Yeah, it's a good mix. And, and you bring up a good point, right, which I didn't even mention yet, which is ultimately it's the relationships and the patients. And you caught me there, right? Sometimes on the biomedical side, people get very removed, right, with the ultimate goal, which is the patient relationship, right, that patient-driven experience. And so, yeah, the, the biomedical is a great way to mix the two. And there's a lot of cool advancements and, and improvements we can do, right, of just treatments and, you know, different treatment options and improving patient, um, patient care, right, patient outcomes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great marriage of the two, but, but ultimately, as you mentioned, right, it, it goes back to the, the ethos, the relationship, their experience, and kind of the combination of the two. So you mentioned biomedical is sort of um, split up into mechanical and software. Can you talk a little bit about sort of why that is or, um, you know, what is the allure, the pros and cons to each yeah, and I guess you could even expand that, right? So when I originally started, I wanted to be in a wet lab working on the more the genomic side of things, right? Because that's when, you know, high school me reading the news articles got really excited. I was like, all right, let's do this. Then I then I was in a lab for, you know, about a semester or a year and realized, okay, let's not do this. Let's get out of this lab, right? So, um, so I, th there, I'm sure there's a lot more, but the way, at least for me, when I was looking at the different options, right, is I knew I didn't want to do wet lab stuff. I enjoyed, you know, building things, creating things on the mechanical side of things. I also really enjoyed software stuff, right? Um, and it was more so the stubbornness of me of like, okay, another person with, you know, Indian background doing more software stuff. I'm not doing this. I'm going to do something different. Right. And that as, 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 as weird or dumb as that may sound, that was my philosophy for, you know, the first two years where I was like, I'm going to stick on the mechanical, learn this stuff. Cause it was so interesting and new at the time. Um, and then a lot of my experiences at co-ops internships, I would figure out ways to bring the software into it because there was a need, right? A lot of the people in this, in the areas that I was in didn't have that expertise. So there was a lot of efficiencies and improvements to be made. Um, so I figured out a way to bring it in. Did a lot more uh, freelancing stuff, you know, some stuff for the government, different hackathons, that kind of thing, and saw, okay, I'm actually pretty dang good at this. Um, so I figured out, okay, why not merge the two? And there's so many improvements to be made in that side of things, right? That's kind of how I eventually landed at it. Um, and yeah, I just enjoy it more in my in my opinion. So kind of took took some time of me doing both to figure out, okay, I like this way more now that I've kind of done both. And uh, that helped. I so appreciate that answer in the fact that um, there's a there's a discussion around, you know, opportunities and when opportunities present themselves to actually take them. Um, and best case scenario, you love it, you learn it, you want to continue it, right? 
But the second base scenario is, is that you absolutely hate it. And that's okay. That is okay to not like a wet lab because that is that doesn't fit your personality. It doesn't fit what you want to do with a career. It doesn't just fit just with the, for me, it was the environment. The environment was very insular. I wasn't able to collaborate with people. And with my personality, I like that. I wanted to be a part of a team where we're all working on bits and pieces and that we're all putting it together. And um, it just, it felt just so on my shoulders. Um, and so I, I um, totally can relate and I totally appreciate that answer. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit about your experiences. So you talked about internships, you said freelancing, how did you get them? What did you get? Um, how, how did you get that exposure? What did it teach you? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, um, started out in college, I had, you know, a couple more BME, um, internships and co-ops and I'm the kind of person who is willing to put themselves out there. Like if, you know, I, I happen to annoy a couple people here and there, that's okay. Like. There's no, you know, no loss to me at that point, And, you know, that's fine. So that's kind of how I landed a lot of this stuff. Um, so I actually ended up uh, emailing the, the CV, the, you know, the, one of the C-suite executives for one of the companies and that she ended up, you know, forwarding my email over. I listened to a podcast, emailed her, she forwarded my email over to UR. And that's kind of how I got my big break into, you know, the industry for BME. And so did a co-op that was like at a pretty well-established company, did a, you know, mechanical engineer, it was a, R&D and manufacturing co-op, but my mentor there was really great guy. He, he veteran, right? He was more on the technical side of things, but he kind of knew how to navigate a corporate environment. And he taught me a lot of very crucial things. And I think that's really where I learned, okay, if I did the mechanical path, this is kind of what that would look like. If I did the software path, this is what that would look like. And that really got me the exposure, right? And then, and then COVID struck. And so this was actually, you know, COVID struck a little bit before I started my main co-op, but we were virtual and I wanted to just hang out with my friends somehow, right, from college. And so what we did was we we started with hackathons and we ended up winning a couple, but then we branched out and we found these different things put out by the government, by different governmental agencies saying like, usually funded through a grant or some kind of, you know, allocated resources. And they'd say, hey, we have this problem. We'll give you guys some data, figure out a solution, right? And then the winner will get, you know, top three will get X amount of dollars, X amount of dollars, X amount of dollars. For us, it was just a way to hang out while we're all at home and get access to like actual data, right? Like, so we did one with um, air traffic control data, plane data with NASA, right? We did one with Department of Justice with prison data. Um, so a lot of that stuff was more machine learning focused, but I saw what the software implications could do for healthcare. And we did a couple with that were more related to healthcare. Uh, and, you know, we were going up against, you know, professors and research labs, industry people, and we were like, Oh, okay, we can we can kind of hang in there, right? We're we're right there. Um, so that was a little reaffirming because you know my background was BME, right? And I did a CS minor, but I didn't have the time to really delve into that as much as other people did. Um, so that gave me some more confidence. And so, yeah, when this final opportunity came up of like, hey, do you want to do a mechanical engineering rotationship at a BD company, or not a BD, but at a medical device company, or the software rotational program at BD? It was kind of a clear choice at that point, right? And, and BD as a company too is putting a huge focus in uh, digital health. And so a little bit of background is BD is a huge player in the medical device space. They've been around for I think they're you know hundred plus years. And traditionally though, you know their core competency was they started out with needles and disposables and plastics. They're making a huge investment in digital health, and they have those relationships with hospitals, with you know the different entities that they need to to make that play. Um, and so the creation of this program was kind of to, you know, put more investment into that sector of, hey, can we grow these people 
within our company, get them exposed to the different business units, let them take risks, right? Maybe they spend a year doing something they don't like. They have two more years, right? One at each one at a different spot. Um, and so when that opportunity came up, I kind of jumped on it and it's kind of where I'm at now. So I guess a point of clarification is, uh, so you, for biomedical, you focus on software, but then you added a CS minor. And was that just because you took the coursework or was it because you had a passion for it? I'm, I'm just curious about um, how people add minors too, and how do you differentiate and how do you figure out if you want to add a minor or not? Yeah, it's very school dependent. Um, so some schools don't even offer CS minors. At tech they do, but it's pretty credit heavy. So you kind of need to know earlier on, ideally, if you want to graduate on time. So I, I kind of knew going in that I at least wanted to do the CS minor. I actually have this the scenario in my head where it was one, it was my freshman, sophomore year, first semester. And there was another student in one of my project-based classes. So the way BME works at tech is very project-based. Every semester you get a project for one of your classes and you give a prompt, you just go and figure out a solution. And they have, you know, the, the different phases that you work through. Um, but that class, actually, that person was also kind of very similar to me, BME, health, health or CS. Like, what do we do? What do we do? They ended up just going pure CS and they actually dropped the class. I remember him walking out of that day uh, because this was still on my head, right? So I knew going in that I wanted to do the two for sure. I just chose BME and then the CS minor um, underneath it. Well, that makes total sense. Um, okay, so then now you're graduated, you're working, you're on year two, right? Uh, so talk to us a little bit about what year one, what were your accomplishments, what were your challenges, what was your project? And then um, I want to know kind of the, that's the past state. And then I want to know about the current state, but what you're working on now. Yeah. So let me uh, balance this out. So yeah, year one, I joined and honestly, it was my first time working on a, at a, a larger company, corporate company on a, on a pure software role, right? At this point, I'm not doing anything mechanical. I am so far removed from the product. I don't even see it anymore. Right. Um, actually, I did get to see it for year one, which was nice. I had to have a, I had to actually have the unit at my house, which was really cool. Um, and so I was working on, um, Sensica, which is like a urine output management system for uh, for BD, which has to do with uh, when people have kidney failure to kind of help monitor their urine output. And when you give them drugs, you kind of monitor that stuff. I think, you know, learning for me was the first time I'd been kind of thrown into this large environment and I was able to pick it up pretty fast. Right. And I think that's one of the benefits in college. If you, you know, work on a bunch of different things like those challenges, we were, you know, we wanted to be as efficient with our time as possible. So we got really good at getting thrown into something, picking and learning stuff up as quickly as we could, and then delivering results, right? Which is what they want in corporate as well, right? Um, so yeah, that, that was year one. And uh, yeah, a lot of learnings, met a lot of cool people. And as part of the rotational program, my biggest fear with software is you can get kind of very in the weeds, just technical, and you don't have the space to grow your soft skills. And for me, soft skills is huge. I think that's, you know, it's just gonna pay dividends as you get older, right? Um, so the benefit of the rotational program is BD really invests in you. They create this culture where they want you to spend time growing your soft skills, you know, interact with leadership, give you that visibility and network. And so I got to do all those things as well, which is really cool and uh, a little intimidating at times. But uh, yeah, we, we live and we grow and we learn. So it was fun. So what, what are those, how do they enable soft skills? I think when you're such, when you're in um, an environment in which you're looking at a screen 24-7, Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but yeah. for some, maybe not, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so 
So BD is really cool because for the rotational programs, you have a lot of different initiatives that you can kind of work on outside of your day-to-day job. And so they really kind of let us roam as part of the rotation where we get spoiled a little bit because um, all our managers kind of know that, hey, this person's also going to be working on this stuff. So one of the bigger things that I worked on actually got, you know, dragged into of like, hey, can usually it's, you know, can you help me with this? And then you join. And then like when you're, when you're new to the company, right, you got your completely free. So you say yes to everything. And then a year in, you're like, oh man, I don't have time for anything at this point. But a couple, couple initiatives. So, um, so the, the main thing is um, we, we have this program called the health check, which the idea is to kind of create a safe space within teams. And so trying to foster and create better environments within specific teams. And so that was a huge like ID and E initiative that we took on, spent a lot of time working with that. And we still do of creating the system and you know creating some technical tools to support it and then now deploying it in pilot and talking to teams and kind of helping improve you know psychological safety and team environments and kind of fostering that discussion right and it's a complicated challenge right and it can be kind of uh tiptoey at times but uh, we're making a good effort and picking up some you know and there's, there's a lot of growth there of how do you navigate those discussions how do you make sure you know everyone's you know on, on the right level on the right space um, yeah, and, and we do a lot of other things like planning different events. So we all get together from all our different locations in one state, one city, a um, couple times a year. And so planning that, if you can imagine, you know, planning a trip for 80 people for a week um, and talking to all those people, so, sorting travel, all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff, shall we say. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, time and space to grow. So you're in year two. Um, and you, you know, you finished your career, your college career, and then you came into this rotational system. Um, juxtapose, I think, the two environments um, and some of the things that were maybe positive changes, negative changes, challenges for you. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think the transition away from college was pretty tough for me. I mean, I'm not going to lie, that first year, right, of you're not around your friends all the time anymore. You don't have, you know, just people you're chatting with for fun anymore, especially for people in remote roles, right? You don't see this as much with more in-person roles, but for remote or hybrid roles, um, which is not the standard of BD, like most of the people are in-person, but because we're on the software side of things, that is a little bit different. Um, there was definitely a period of transition for me where I was like a little bummed out, a little sad, right? Of like, hey, like, where did everyone go? Like, I'm not surrounded by people all the time anymore. Um, and so that was definitely a bit of a shock, a lot of free time my first year, which was uh, different, right? Of just not constantly having stuff to do. Um, But also you get your weekends to yourself, right? You can enjoy, you can have fun, you can do whatever you want. Um, And uh, yeah, and I think that that transition is definitely interesting. I think it's nice to not have to worry about classes you're not interested in at all anymore, right? At a company, ideally, if you're in a, a role that you enjoy, you're always working on stuff that you find interesting that, and yeah, you have some tedious things here and there, but overall, it's fun, right? And so you're working on stuff that you enjoy and challenges that you, uh, you're not worrying about, right? Taking tests anymore. I think that that helps too. So a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the, um, the actual qualitative piece of like, you know, performance does matter. Obviously you want to be a good performer and you want to potentially get that raise or promotion at the end of whatever quarter. Um, but there's also the like, oh, I'm here almost like a, I don't know, an imposter syndrome sort of thinking around, you know, oh, I, I finally made it. Did I make it? I don't know. Can you comment on that? Yeah, that's a good point too. I think um, as people start, you know, 
even in college and sometimes outside too, is that imposter syndrome aspect is, is no joke, especially um, in the state of how things are now, right? And you can, you know, you can experience this in college when you're working on stuff, in labs, in classes, in internships, co-ops, even in your job, right? Of You get into an environment and you think, oh man, everyone is like, how did I get here? Am I even supposed to be here? Like, did I sneak my way in? Like, like what is going on? But and I definitely felt that, you know, in different scenarios, whether that be, you know, with the freelance work or at BD in certain teams. And I think it's critical that you kind of take a step back and, and you know, kind of realize, hey, you're in the right place. You know, you you know what you truly can contribute and you know that you're, 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 you know, you're chosen for a reason. And if you just continue trusting in that, that it'll, it'll, it's, it was meant to be right. Like that. And so this is something that, you know, even some of my sibling, a sibling of mine now in college, she's experiencing even more now. And I think it's it's important that you don't compare yourself to others, right? It, everyone contributes differently. They have different perspectives on things. And it's important to have that diversity in different environments. And only with that diversity can you truly achieve great things, right? And so, yeah, I think comparison is, uh, is what gets everyone. And you shouldn't compare yourself too much. Nope, always contrast yourself, right? Um, so you're you're in this position you're on year two as i said is and as you said obviously um you know what what does the future hold for you um are you like what are you thinking about sort of long term career-wise aspiration-wise goal-wise yeah so year two has been really interesting because i've gotten to work on um kind of a future bd product that's a couple years out but designing and getting a lot of creative freedom and so that's definitely given me more um wisdom and kind of insight into what I want the future to hold. So I think I definitely want to still stay, you know, somehow in the intersection between healthcare and, and software. I don't know exactly what role or anything like that will look like, but I think the ability to get to design these complex things, but, um, and have the freedom to innovate and develop. Right. And so I think the value from these things can really show, and, and I think it's going to show in, in five years, you know, and it's just, it's so annoying that it has to be five years, but you know, with healthcare, that's how it is, right? And so it's really cool to kind of be in that space. The only thing that, you know, I'm kind of lacking and I hope to, you know, figure out is um, how to get a little bit more interaction involved, right? And so we have those soft skills aspects to our program, but ideally, you know, when I exit the program, I'm not gonna have that anymore. So ideally, how do I get that incorporated into a full-time role that you know, matches all three of those things. Um, yeah. And so that that's the ideal goal. We'll have to see what that looks like. And in terms of further education, I mean, nowadays it's kind of scary to think about, but an undergrad almost seems undereducated just the way things are now. I don't know. Right. So maybe a master's or an MBA, we'll have to see. It's, uh, yeah, it's not too set in stone. Yeah. There's this interesting, um, yeah, if you're if you're an undergrad, I mean you're a dime a dozen, right? So there's there's that. No matter what um, area of specialty you are, uh, it's it's come to that conclusion. Um, and I think it's it's starting and beginning to be even master for master students. And then you hit the PhD route potentially, and you're overqualified for a lot of things. Um, yeah, I'm speaking from an N of one position. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's exciting. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, for an MBA, having actual corporate experience and not just coming directly from an undergrad is really, really powerful. And the same with any sort of master's program um, or, you know, higher ed in general. Um, would you have done anything differently? 
And so I, I get asked this a lot. And I think for the path that I was on, no. I think the only way I would have landed at the intersection between the two, the, that the experience I had at tech, which a lot of people say, don't do BME if you want to do BME, because just take mechanical engineering and focus on medical devices, right? Or do software and just focus on medical devices. That's what a lot of people say. But I think at tech, there's a very unique curriculum that teaches you not just the degree, but how to think about things. Like, for example, I think that's displayed really well with the challenges that we took outside of hackathons, right? It's like just like putting ourselves out there, diving into a new space, figuring things out, putting a solution and having it stack up, right? I think that's what my degree taught me. And I think that's really invaluable, right? regardless of where we end up. Um, yeah, so in terms of things differently, uh, yeah, I think we live and we learn. I mean, sure, there's, you know, different things you can optimize, but I think I enjoy where we ended up and we'll have to see, yeah. I think you made a comment earlier about annoying people, so maybe that would be considered potentially one. I'm in the same boat, <laughs> um, but I, I do I do want to make a comment about that about you know sticking your neck out and um, networking with people and you know having the confidence to say no I can do this and I, I you know I want to meet you or you know having also the humility around that like I, I appreciate your time. Um, I think that is um, really, really important. Um, so you wouldn't have done anything differently, which is very positive, I think. Um, but if you were to have any sort of words of wisdom, say seven, 10 years ago, you know, what, what would you, looking back, hindsight being 2020, what would you have told yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I guess from this perspective, right? I think just enjoy the journey. Don't worry about racing to the end. There are a couple of things, but enjoy the journey. Don't worry about racing to the end, right? Like high school me was like, once I graduate college, we'll be done studying. Enjoy life. Just, in, um, right? So just, yeah, don't worry too much about the check boxes you have to, you know, tick. Don't worry about this, the normal path. Um, yeah, enjoy the time you have. Enjoy the time you're spending. Enjoy what you're doing. Live in the moment, right? So that's one thing. I think number two is people always tell you to, quote unquote, follow your passion, right? And you're always like, what the heck is my passion? Like, what, what does that mean? Right. And so that might be some people, some people, you know, I have friends who are like, I know this is what I want to do. I'm doing this. And they just bang it out. Right. I was like, perfect. There's a lot of people that don't know exactly what your passion is. Right. So, and I think that's okay. Don't like for me as well. Like I would uh, tell myself not to worry too much, kind of just do things that you enjoy and that you think, you know, that you want to do, not just for the checkbox. And you'll kind of eventually figure out where things lead to. Um, and that balances, right? Some people, maybe what they enjoy isn't a sustainable career path. So maybe you have to, you know, pick out of three different things that you like the most. And then, and then you enjoy, you know, you, in your free time, which you maybe optimize for, you, you do something that you really like, but that doesn't really, you know, provide for your you know, family. So it, it's a balance of the two. And I think number three is, and there's a study that supports this. And when I learned the study, I think it's called, I think it's a study from Harvard. It's like the longest running study on like adult development. And it just focuses on what gives people happiness at the later stages of their life and so it started in like 1938 and they're still running this study across generations um and this study really kind of changed the way i think think about things but essentially they found that regardless of your profession regardless of your background right so regardless if you went to harvard or if you're from a low socioeconomic status in the area the thing that mattered most was the relationships and the people you made uh, built along the way regardless of your salary regardless of your profession regardless of where you ended up um, I think that was really powerful, right? Because 
you're not ever going to have a study that looks across generations like that with that large of a sample size still maintained and track happiness, health, you know, coronary artery, all kinds of other factors. Um, so the outcome from that, right, is focus on the relationships, focus on the people, right? That's what's going to matter. Um, yeah, so those are, those are maybe three things. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, you know, when, the, when you're at the end of your life, you're going to remember what kind of grade you got in organic chemistry <laughs> or what kind of, you know, nope. GPA you got from your undergrad. I don't even know what my GPA is, actually, which is a good thing, I think. Um, and I like your talk about um, passion, because sometimes um, passion and employment do not intersect <laughs> yes. or overlap. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't find it interesting or you can't find, you know, um, a passion in there. It just isn't maybe perhaps your passion. Um, and I think, I think your, your discussion around living the moment and, you know, life is not a whole bunch of check boxes. Life is a whole bunch of experiences. It's a whole bunch of journeys. It's, it's not, it is one long journey, but it's also, I mean, you know, like the, what is it? Uh, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so mm -hmm. you got to think of it that way. You got to make it to the end, but successfully. Um, so I, I really enjoy those three things. I think that's spot on. So thank you for that. Um, and with that, um, I thank you so much for your time, Prithik. Um, You have an amazing story and such an amazing career, I think, in, in a, ahead of you, um, frankly. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see what you do after you're free of your rotation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's always a pleasure to listen to some of your episodes. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you again to our listeners. And always remember to ask yourself, where does your journey stem from? Bye, everyone. <laughs>